state a city or you cream or you cream a multitude of people i mean it's just like like you put all the offensive players in one bag and i just take a baseball bat and beat on the bag so each time he came over there i tried to tear his damn head off let's play some football let's play some football the pressure is on this is off the edge on tide 100.9 focus on what you want to do what you want to accomplish Think about that. Don't think about how you feel, how tired you are, how hot it is. You got to push yourself on the field when you're playing football. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. To me, this is the ultimate team. All these guys bought into everything they needed to do to be the best players that they could be. There's more togetherness on this team than almost any team that we've ever had. And they had to overcome and persevere so much adversity through this season. And they've done it magnificently. And I'm so proud of this group for what they've been able to accomplish in going undefeated and winning the national championship. Screening live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and the Tide 100.9 app. Here is your host of Off the Edge, Jacob Harrison. Hello there, good morning, welcome in to Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Jacob Harrison hanging out with you, digital managing editor of Town Square Media, Tuscaloosa, J.R. Moore behind the board, brand manager manager, Joe Gaither back there as well. We're going to have some fun today. I've got something special for you. Uh... First thing out of the way, just so I make sure I say it, happy birthday to the Pittsburgh Steelers. 89 years founded on this day in 1933. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Ravens fan over there. Got to deal with the, the longevity of excellence with the Pittsburgh Steelers just a tad bit longer. 89 years. It's pretty, pretty incredible. What we're going to do today uh, is have both A.J. Spur and Joey Blackwell on the show for the entire show. So, one by one, I'm going to bring them in here. Start with uh, Joey Blackwell, beat writer for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Joey, what's going on, man? Doing well, Jake. Fine Friday. Ooh, Joey's connection is uh, a little bit harsh there. So, uh, do you want to try to reconnect with him, JR? Let, or... Yeah, let's do that. All right. Let's uh let's go to AJ Spur, site editor for Roll Tide Wire, the USA Today affiliate of the Alabama Crimson Tide. AJ, how are you doing today, man? Jacob, it is never a bad day when I get to hop on off the edge. So uh thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh we're gonna have some fun today. We're mostly going to uh Kind of look ahead to the 2022 season. It's not something that we have done a lot uh, over the past couple of weeks. It's been a lot of realignment talk, a lot of NIL talk. So uh, 
why not just actually take a minute, look at the Alabama Crimson Tide, look at the SEC in 2022, and start to, to get a little bit of a feel for it. We're 57 days away from Alabama and uh, Utah State kicking off the 2022 season for the Crimson Tide. And that means that we're effectively 50 days away from college football in general, counting week zero, as we should. And why not? Why not actually start to look ahead a little bit, less than two months into uh, the wait for the the next college football season? So where I kind of want to start with Alabama is where we tend to have to start with this team is the fact of this offensive line being what it is. But the skill positions behind them, the fact you return a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in Bryce Young, you've got Jameer Gibbs back there who you anticipate is going to be somebody that's going to be absolutely outstanding. Wide receivers are a little bit of a question mark, but I'll turn it to you first, AJ. How do you see the offense for the Crimson Tide actually looking this year? Is this something where Bryce is going to have to do a lot of what he did last year and make a lot of things happen? Or are you going to have to rely on this run game a tad bit more if this offensive line cannot pass block well? Listen, I've talked about it a lot, and Brian Robinson was a great running back for Alabama, but he didn't necessarily do what a lot of the running backs that came before him did, which was, you know, be an X factor, something that the defenses absolutely needed to be aware of at all times. Um, and, and I really do think uh, Jameer Gibbs comes in and gives Alabama not just an X factor similar to what they've seen in recent years, but something completely new. I mean, he's just as much of a wide receiver out of the backfield as he is a running back. So I really do think Gibbs is the star of this offense and is going to ease up on Bryce Young some of that pressure. Um, overall, I don't think Bryce Young is going to have to work as hard in 2022. Um, it's just a matter for me right now of seeing how this offense gels, especially considering we're less than two months away and no one's quite sure what the uh, wide receiving unit is going to look like. Is it going to be a rotation or is there going to be a set three with a couple, you know, coming in here and there? So that's uh, that, that, that's my statement on the offense. And, uh, Joey, we got you back in here. Your, your thoughts. How is this offense going to operate? Is it, again, is this the, the Bryce Young show again looking for that second straight Heisman? Is this a situation where you got to lean on the run game a little bit more? Well, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with AJ more, and his points are kind of similar to the points that I've been making. You know, this this off season, you know, with, with Young back under center, you know, much is going to be expected out of this offensive unit. However, I think this team's going to be able to lean a little bit more on the run. Um, you know, thanks to a stable full of excellent running backs led by Gibbs. You know, Gibbs is really set to take the SEC storm after playing. You know, kind of in relative obscurity at Georgia Tech. You know, he's got an abundance of talent. He, his speed fits right in with Bill O'Brien's uh, offense. Um, you know, Gibbs averaged 5.2 yards a carry. You know, with with Georgia Tech. You know, he had he caught made caught 60 passes. He's he's a kind of a you know he's a pass catching back, which is something that we didn't really um, which wasn't as effective with Brian Robinson just because Brian Robinson was the main guy with all the injuries they had last year. But this year they'll have Jason McClellan and Roy Dell Williams back from their knee injuries, which will add depth and couple that with the, with the stellar wide receivers they have, this really could be a, a much more potent offense than we saw last year, which should be pretty scary to a, a lot of SEC teams. Yeah, I wonder if the addition of Jameer Gibbs doesn't actually make the offense more dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've I've looked at this schedule enough to, to feel just really st- solid about the fact that, that mm-hmm. Alabama should be able to not necessarily cruise through it, but feel pretty comfortable about winning you know 11 games. Seriously, no problem. And 12 really shouldn't be out of the question either. Uh, as a realistic expectation for the team to go undefeated in the regular season. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that you can lean on an offense that has so much explosion on it. I think it's very easy for fans to to kind of look and see this offensive line and say, oh, it's not very good. We're going to have to run the ball. You know, in the spring, we heard a lot about this offensive line is very good at run blocking, not very good at pass blocking, and it showed in the A-Day game. But what we're kind of looking at now is a little bit more anticipation for what Jameer Gibbs brings, what Jermaine Burton brings on the outside as far as their explosiveness, their ability to score from anywhere on the field, I think especially for Gibbs. And that creates something, to to your point, Joey, that is much more dynamic and dangerous than, than last year. Last year it had a lot to do with Jamison Williams in that space. You don't have that guy now. 
But what you didn't have last year was a running back who could score from anywhere on the field after Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams went down. So I agree with that is I don't think we should see a more, we, we should expect to see a more conservative offense. We should anticipate to see a more explosive offense and one that is going to be captained by a guy with even more experience at quarterback in Bryce Young. But in that same vein, he's got to have somebody step up and help him that isn't named Jermaine Burton or Jameer Gibbs. Who's the guy, uh, skill player or offensive line, that, that you think is kind of the key to making sure this thing uh, unravels into something explosive and successful for the Crimson Tide on the offensive side of the ball? Joey, we'll start with you. You know, I think this team really does revolve around its offensive line this year. You know, after winning the, you know, like I said on your show yesterday, the team that won the Joe Moore Award in 2020, and then, of course, really got kind of stagnant last year. And now they, of course, lost Evan Neal. But at the same time, they're bringing in a much more, a much deeper and much more experienced line group than they had last year. Um, you know, this is a group full of, you know, big athletic, you know, road graders, you know, so getting pushed shouldn't be an issue. It, it should be a lot more impressive than we saw last year. So, Really, you know, I, I, I point to, you know, Seth Lachlan at center. I think Emil Ekior is going to have a big year. I'm really excited to see what J.C. Latham has to offer potentially at tackle. Um, but I think this, this you know, that we're talking about how how explosive this offense can, um, can be, but I think that is heavily dependent on how productive this offensive line unit can be. And I think it will be. I think we'll see a much better offensive line this year than we did last year, and um, I think that's really going to help them out. A.J.? You know, Joey and I must just be reading off the exact same <laughs> page of notes. Uh, I agree. You both went to Cliff Notes. <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting next to each other. I forgot to mention that. <laughs> no, the offensive line, you know, especially compared to what it looked like last season, uh, you just hope with, with such a stronger running game heading into 2022 and so many wide receivers that Bryce Young can throw to. He's not just limited to jameson williams or john mechie anymore uh, the list goes on and on for wide receivers uh, that giving bryce young the time to throw especially considering how fast some of these wide receivers are now i point to tyler harrell specifically i, I can just imagine him non-stop go routes every play every game if he beats his man he's open deep and bryce young can hit him if not that takes away a defender uh from anywhere close to the line of scrimmage. So primarily, I'm going to go with offensive line, agree wholeheartedly with Joey on that. But if we're looking toward maybe a skill position player that I'm looking at to give Bryce Young and this offense a little bit more of a spark, for me, it's Tyler Harrell, assuming he can do enough this offseason to work his way into a starting role. For me, it's uh, I, I, obviously, I agree with the offensive line as well. The, the, the better that, that unit plays... Uh, the the better you know the entire offense flows. But we did see last year Bryce Young do so much with one of the worst offensive lines we've ever seen under Nick Saban. And if he can do that and still win a Heisman, and we're just talking about how Jameer Gibbs and Jermaine Burton might be a slightly more explosive you know core of or at least you know the the top of the line of of his core of weapons, then I think. I think Bryce will be okay. You know, I think Bryce will command the ship with not with ease, but he'll be able to run him out or run around, make those Johnny Manziel esque plays, those uh, Aaron Rodgers type plays. So when I look at the skill positions, I I think instead of looking at a pool of wide receivers and saying, well, I hope that's the guy opposite of Jermaine Burton. Not that there's anything wrong with that. What I want to do is look at a guy who is already going to be a starter on on the offense in that realm, and nobody's really going to be eating into his reps. Uh, and it's a guy that uh, Kendall Hollowell on Tide109.com broke down not too long ago, and that's Cameron Latu. If I mean, think about Cameron Latu's 2021 season, where he is de facto winning the job before the regular season starts, but everybody's talking about Jaleel Billingsley. Billingsley plays those first four games or so. Billingsley makes some explosive plays and starts to really eat into Latu's snaps. And then Billingsley just disappears from the face of the earth and Latu's left to pick up the pieces. And it, I think it really kind of showed in his confidence sometimes because he would tend to, to miss some of the, the plays earlier in the game and then he'd make plays later in the game. I think now this year being the unequivocal uh, number one tight end and being a guy that Bryce has leaned on in the past, Bryce loves throwing to his tight ends. 
I think there's a real shot that Cameron Latu is somebody that that really explodes onto the scene, at least in the conference, as being one of the best tight ends around, and he'll have a big benefit of having a guy. And not to mention, if this offensive line is bad, you're going to have to hit shorter routes. And, you know, Cameron Latu is not O.J. Howard, right? He's not hitting deep post routes. He, he's an underneath, traditional inline tight end kind of guy. He's athletic, but make no mistake, he's not he's not burning the, the house down with his speed. So if you're... Short games on RPOs, you got to have a different option every once in a while and, and more things under center. I think Cameron Latu is a guy that really Alabama fans should be keeping a very close eye on. Uh, it's time for a break, so we'll uh, take one real quick and come back, continue the conversation, talk a little defense about the Alabama Crimson Tide in 2022. I'm Jacob Harrison, joined by A.J. Spurn, Joey Blackwell here on Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9 presents Movies in the Park. It all happens at Government Plaza for free. And this Saturday, we celebrate Christmas in July. And we're starting now to make sure kids across West Alabama have a Merry Christmas. We'll be collecting toys and gift cards for Toys for Tots at the movie this Saturday night. And to get you in the spirit, we'll be showing the holiday movie, Elf. Santa's coming to town. <laughs> So grab a baby doll, board game, a football, or a gift card and come on down to this family-friendly free event. Powered by Pepsi, Tuscaloosa Tourism and Sports, and First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa. For more info, swipe open the free Tuscaloosa Thread app. Are you receiving unemployment? Your benefits could be at risk. Here's how you can protect yourself and your benefits. Never respond to mail notifying you of a false claim in your name. Never answer a text message asking you to verify your account. And only respond to official Alabama Department of Labor's social media pages. Report fraud at labor.alabama.gov fraud. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Labor, ABA, and the station. The Alabama Department of Labor is an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request to individuals with disabilities. Dial 711 for TTY accessibility. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers and storms through early tonight. The high today, 95, tonight's low 76. Tomorrow, we start the day with morning sunshine, then a good chance of showers and thunderstorms by afternoon. The high, 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best new analysis in T-Town. Hey, I got a stat for you. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues on Tide 100.9. Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama. Crimson Tide Sports, Jacob Harrison here with you. J.R. Moore, Joe Gaither behind the glass. Joined for a special treat, A.J. Spur and Joey Blackwell hanging out with us. We're just breaking down Alabama. And soon uh, the 2022 SEC as well. We may get into some uh, realignment later in the show. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, just having fun. I mean, we're 57 days away from Alabama and Utah State, which means we're 57 days away from Joyless Murder Ball, let's be honest. But nonetheless, we're on our way. And a big factor into all the Joyless Murder Ball that we're going to enjoy this year is this Alabama defense. Now, last year I thought just looking at the, the talent on the team, it was going to be the best in the country. Georgia kind of did their thing, though. I mean, they had talent. They had big names. It is what it is. A lot of those guys are gone, though. <laughs> and I would challenge many to, to look around the SEC, the ACC, what's left of the Pac-12, the Big Ten. I don't think you're going to find a better defense than Alabama's this year, especially with guys like Will Anderson, Dallas Turner off the edge, what Eli Ricks brings as a cornerback. There's a lot to love when it comes to the Alabama Crimson Tide defense it is the most broad question i can possibly present to you but there are so many names and if i'm taking will anderson off the board because it's the most fair thing to do aj will start with you the guy that you are most excited to see on this defense 
whether that's stepping up to become a, a big star or taking strides to, to continue being the star, whatever your criteria, just know Will Anderson. Who are you looking forward to seeing on this defense? Well, honestly, and he's been one of my favorite players since he uh, got to Tuscaloosa. DJ Dale is one of those players for me that I know he's not going to have the biggest impact. He's not going to be breaking any records or probably make headlines throughout the season. But he's one that I feel like hasn't performed as well as many thought he would when first joining Alabama. So I really would like to see him you know, go through his senior season and, and just finish with a bang. However, realistically, I think Henry Toto has to be my pick for somebody I think is going to have an all-out season and really a breakout year. He was great at Tennessee, came over to Alabama last season, and I've mentioned this numerous times on this show, he was supposed to be the quarterback of the defensive side of the ball, and he wasn't. It was underwhelming, his performance on the field, and and leadership-wise, it just wasn't there. I think in 2022, we're going to see a Henry Toto that not only leads on the field and in the locker room, but might even be leading in some stat categories by the end of the year. He's someone I really have high hopes for, and hopefully uh, 2022 will be his Alabama breakout year. Joey? You know, I uh, Henry Toto is a great pick. He'd probably be my runner-up. But the guy that I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, kind of be more fleshed out is Dallas Turner. You know, Dallas Turner is a guy, of course, he's a bookend to Will Anderson on the other side. But, you know, people kind of – he was obvi- it's easy to kind of forget he exists just because of Will Anderson Jr. lining up on the opposite side. But at the same time, this is a guy that in his true freshman season, you know, he had eight and a half sacks last year, ten tackles for a loss. You know, this is a guy that – start you know that played you know in 15 games last year as a true freshman which um starting as a true freshman linebacker is something that doesn't happen in Alabama very often um unless you know there's there's injuries um concerns so I I'd really you know I'm looking forward to seeing what Dallas Turner can do and you know Nick Saban has also said that they're that they're trying to figure out ways to get Chris Braswell on the field but at the same time with Turner and Anderson which if you combine that trio together they're the, the, probably the three best pass rushers in in, in the country and Having them on on the field, you know, at the same time, is going to provide nightmares for offenses trying to protect their quarterback. No doubt about it. And what what I really love is the dynamic of the fact that that pass rushing unit is so insane. And and I love Dallas Turner. The fact that that dude put up better stats than Will Anderson did his freshman season on a portion of the snaps. I know you know Will didn't have Will Anderson opposite of him, obviously his freshman <laughs> year. But you know you only deal with what you got. But nonetheless, I mean, Dallas Turner is a stud, and a lot of people, you know, even have the anticipation that he could be better than Will Anderson, which is a a terrifying thought to have. Uh, for me, it it, it kind of goes in tandem, and what I think makes this defense so incredible for me, that player is Kool Aid McKinstry. Like, I, I love Dallas Turner; he'd definitely be a pick. Henry Toto is a is a good one as well. Uh, but looking on that back end, you know, the safety positions are kind of set. You know, Jordan Battles as good as he's going to be, I think. Uh, the De- De- Demarco Helms as good as he's going to get. On the other side, you got Eli Ricks. So there's a lot to feel very good about uh, when it comes to the back end. And with that pass rushing unit being what it is, it only amplifies the success rate of the defensive backs. But with Kool Aid, the the interesting thing for him is that later in the season, I mean, obviously, you know, he got mossed on by George Pickens in in the college football championship and. Nobody really talks about that. You know what I mean? And I think he gets a little bit of a pass. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, he's a guy that is going to have a su- supreme opportunity to get a lot of targets thrown his way because teams aren't going to want to test Eli Ricks. So it's 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 sink or swim for him, and he's got the skills to, to swim and to swim fast and, <laughs> and stay afloat and absorb a lot of interceptions, deflect a lot of passes, and make a lot of really good receivers in the SEC – look really, really foolish. Not to mention, I mean, I don't know what his role will be in the return game, if he'll have one, but if he is there, he's dynamic in that space as well. So for me, it is Kool-Aid McKinstry. I will say, it, when it comes down to it, one one of the, the spots that is a little bit more up in the air is who's going to play that linebacker spot next to Henry Toto, though. So with Toto... It'll be interesting to see how he kind of manages that because you might see a couple of different guys sitting in that spot, whether it's uh, Deontay Lawson or Jalen Moody or whatever. So if uh, you know Toto is going to be out there all the time dealing with somebody new beside him, 
it'll be interesting to see how how he handles that. On I like DJ's uh, other pick as well with DJ Dale. I think what's interesting, you know, looking at that pass rushing unit, you know, we all point to the one that Joey brought up with the the package that sees Anderson, uh, Turner, and Braswell all in the field at the same time, and usually bringing Toto on a blitz on that. But you're still in a, a kind of a phase where you're trying to find those next great defensive linemen. Byron Young, Justin Aboyby kind of stepping up into that space as well as Tim Smith. Is there one of those three guys that's more of the traditional defensive tackle rather than the nose tackle of DJ Dale that kind of gets you excited as well, regardless of, of why it is, Joey? You know, I, I really like, you know, Tim Smith and, and Jamil Burroughs, you know, potentially being there with, with, with Dale. Um, Jamil Burroughs obviously had a, had a fantastic spring, um, had really performed really well. Um, at A Day as well. Tim Smith brings that same amount of experience with him. Um, I think you really can't go wrong with either guy. But if I had to pick one, I'd probably go with with Jamil Burroughs up there on the line. I've, I've I've just been very impressed by what we've seen. Obviously, he also has a lot of size on him and, and is a real, really impressive in that regard. Um, so if I had to pick, it'd, it'd be Burroughs. But at the same time, with the the depth of defensive line is something that Alabama has this year, which has kind of struggled a little bit over the past several seasons outside of their lead guy. So um, you, if you're an Alabama fan, you, you should really feel comfortable with the depth that they have at defensive line this season. No doubt about it. AJ? No. Uh, I, honestly, the depth is what's impressed me the most. The most, And Burroughs this spring has impressed. Uh, just alongside D.J. Dale, Aboigby, and Young, I, I mean, every single part of this defense is terrifying. But those three up front, and then you're going to have Will Anderson and Dallas Turner – on, on both sides of them. Just overall, I don't see how fans can't be excited for this defensive front and opposing teams just be terrified already, even though we're only two months away. No doubt. I mean, imagine being Utah State right now. <laughs> you know, you're, you're starting to watch film. <laughs> if you're an offensive player for Utah State, you're like, the hell am I supposed to do? Like, how am I really supposed to, to compete with this? Because I you can bring up the, the obvious players when it comes to, to Anderson and Turner and whoever else and, and be like, wow, that's really daunting. But when the role players on the interior of this defensive line, the guys whose names are not known quite as well, when they step up and they're performing well and you've got more than just an edge presence in that pass rush, that's when a pass rush becomes absolutely unstoppable. And I think that's where you can point to guys like Justin Aboigby has a lot of tools, but I think there's a reason Byron Young's name is coming up so often in, in you know, preseason All-American lists and, and you know, in draft talks and so much. Byron Young is a guy that gets after it. Dude has got an unstoppable motor, and he's got great pursuit skills as well. If he's put the, the complete package together for one final run, dude can honestly look at himself as a potential late first-round pick in the NFL draft. So I'm very excited to see how he develops and, and all of these guys, because it's going to make for something incredibly, incredibly special when it comes to the Alabama defense question. I was asked not too long ago. So I'm going to throw the question at you guys. Can the 2022 defense, can it surpass the 2016 defense? AJ, we'll start with you. You know, it, it's hard to tell. Uh, right now, this defense on paper, in my opinion, it looks unstoppable. I, I don't see how any offense uh, in any conference from any team anywhere in the nation could you know, do anything against this defense. I just mentioned it. The secondary is terrifying. The linebacker core is elite, and that defensive front is going to be wreaking havoc on offensive lines all across the nation. It's just a matter of if this team has the attitude of that 2016, it, uh, 2016 team, I'm sorry, is this team going to have that dog in it that's going to set it apart from the rest? Sure, the numbers are going to look great, and, and the final box score at the end of the game is going to make you wish you would watch the game if you hadn't. But is this team going to have that kind of attitude that the 2016 team had? Joey? You know, I, I, I don't think, you know, 
Canal 11's 22 defense replicate its 2016 success. You know, I don't think it can replicate it, but I think it can definitely emulate it. You know, that, that 2016 defense was composed of, of six first-round picks and two second-round picks. You know, it's all 13 players on the defense that were drafted um, over the next couple, several seasons. That's a lot of success to live up to. Um, points per game certainly isn't everything, but if you are looking at points per game, you know, that, that 2016 defense gave up 13 points per game, whereas last year's defense gave up 20.6, which is definitely going to improve on. Um, but, you know, I, I obviously the biggest argument is, you know, is this a better roster this year than that 2016 roster? I don't believe so, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that this defense won't be the best in college football. I think, hands down, it's definitely got the personnel to do that this season. But that 2016 defense was something special. Um, it will, I think this year's team will come incredibly close um, but you know, if, if, if it is if it is better than that 2016 defense, it might go down as the greatest Alabama defense of all time. No doubt, and and I think uh, the pass rushing unit is probably the one that's going to help the most in getting close to the 2016. Because there's people out there that are like, you know, 50 sacks between uh, Anderson and Turner alone, and that is just <laughs> obnoxious. But it's really. <laughs> You know, I mean, or, or, or I think 45 is probably actually the one that I heard. And it, it's like, that's obnoxious, but it's really not that crazy if everybody stays healthy because there's so much of a threat and the back end uh, talent to, to keep the quarterback, you know, holding the ball in the pocket. And if you do something outlandish like that, or if you get 70 sacks as a team, I think you're, you're in a, a really strong spot. What that 2016 defense did really, really well, other than the points per game, was create turnovers. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Eddie Jackson, those dudes were were getting interceptions, and a lot of them, and they were taking them to the house. You know, and, and when you're in that kind of space, you know, they that uh, that defense had a good pass rush, but it's nowhere near what Alabama has this year. So I think if you can create an interesting dynamic where the, the turnovers and the sacks are just so overwhelming, then I think you'll be able to overlook the fact that the points per game is just unattainable. It's a different sport. There's no way to do that. Uh, I don't think. (laughs) Maybe this defense can prove me wrong on that. Uh, But, I mean, those are the the names of the game. Stopping first downs, creating turnovers, and and getting after the quarterback. When you do those three things successfully, and this defense is going to, then you can get extremely close to the 2016 defense. And when you do that, then I think you get to the other side of Joey's point where – you see a lot of these guys go in the first and second round, right? I, I mean, we're talking about a defense that right now I've seen uh, Jordan Battle, Henry Toto, uh, Eli Ricks, and obviously Will Anderson all slated to be first-round picks. If you take uh, a little bit of a future cast, I mean, Kool-Aid, Dallas Turner, probably first-round picks as well. Uh, it it kind of it trickles down a little bit. You got some other second- and third-rounders in there as well, so maybe – a successful 2022 boosts the stock of so many of these guys. Time for another break. When we come back, preview the SEC a little bit. Talk about some uh, teams we haven't talked about in a good while. LSU and Brian Kelly. Uh, the Gamecocks got themselves a new quarterback. There's plenty to go over when it comes to the SEC without talking about realignment. We'll do that next here on Off the Edge. Tied 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. This is a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. Alabama football single game tickets for this upcoming season officially go on sale on Monday, July 11th at 9 a.m. Central Time. But heads up, Crimson Tide fans, the games against Texas A&M and Auburn are already sold out. Former Heisman winner and college football star Robert Griffin III had some big words about former Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. He claimed that Mac Jones is going to be the first rookie out of last year's draft class to win a Super Bowl ring. Montana Fouts has inked a new NIL deal with Boomba. This has been a Town Square Media Tide 100.9 sports update. Run it again! For more info on these stories and more, download the Tide 100.9 app. You're listening to Off the Edge on Tide 100.9.
initiate cyber hacks eliminate threat i pull the sun from the sky to freeze the fear shower of time and drift as one through the end back here on off the edge tied 100.9 your home for alabama crimson tide sports having some fun today special treat aj spur joy blackwell hanging out with me for the entire show we got jr moore and joe gaither behind the glass as well full house let's break down the sec there's a lot going on obviously when you look on the, <laughs> what's going on in college football as a whole uh we've got oklahoma and texas set to join this conference and it feels like we talk about them more than we do the teams that are actually in this conference and we speculate over who's about to join the conference with a, a big rumor spiking up yesterday. No confirmation on that, by the way. Uh, I feel like Joey and I <laughs> tried to, to to take the high road on that as best we could. Uh, <laughs> nobody has really confirmed the fact that that is uh, what's actually going on with those four schools. Uh, Florida State, Miami, uh, Clemson, and North Carolina being rumored to be in discussions. If they're, I mean, they're all probably in discussions in some manner, but... Nonetheless, no no, uh, no confirmation on that. But with the teams that are here, let's start in the East. With so much overturn in Georgia's defense, they're still going to be relying on Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Florida gets a new head coach. Tennessee looks to be in a prime position to make some noise, but they still have to contend with, uh, with the likes of Kentucky and the fact that South Carolina now has Spencer Rattler as its quarterback, which should make them have some noise. Sorry, Missouri, you're just going to suck. But when it comes down to it, who do you see being kind of the the dark horse out of those three? South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, to really push Georgia to represent the East in Atlanta at the end of the season. Joey, we'll start with you. You know, I out of those, those teams, I really have to go with Tennessee. You know, Josh Heupel gave Tennessee fans almost exactly what they they wanted out of a first season from a you know new head coach and a rebuilding run. You know, everybody, of course, is looking forward to more than a seven and six season. But you know, it, it, it would and it would have been nice for Tennessee to have been a little bit more competitive against the likes of you know Georgia and Alabama and a, and a pretty rough Florida team. But the offense was really solid, and now that program you know has an identity to kind of build around it. Um, I, I really like the direction that Heupel's taking Tennessee. I like what their offense showed us last year. Um, and I, I think their defense is really improving as well. You know, Tennessee is now in a position to really be Tennessee again. And there's really no reason why the program can't, can't take another big step forward this year under Heupel to becoming a, another SEC contender. AJ? Again, 100%. In agreement with Joey, uh, you just you watched the third Saturday in October from last season, and the fact that it was actually somewhat of an interesting game tells you that Heupel is moving this program in, in the perfect direction. Um, as far as you know, how it compares to Kentucky and South Carolina, uh, you know, this is a Tennessee team that I consider to be the uh, program most likely to upset Alabama mm -hmm. on the Crimson Tide's 2022 schedule. I don't actually believe it's going to happen. But I think out of all 12 games, Tennessee's the team to do it. So why can't they rival Georgia to represent the East in the SEC championship? It might not be ideal for this season to have that kind of prediction, mainly because I do think Georgia still remains on top of the East. But Tennessee is going to give them a run for their money very, very soon. I agree wholeheartedly with both of you. It's Tennessee, and, uh, and even further with AJ to the point that that is the most dangerous team on Alabama's schedule. Hendon Hooker is an insane talent. And and NFL teams are going to be drooling over this guy with another year of production, showing off the absolute cannon of a right arm that he possesses. And if Heupel continues to build the way that he started, I mean, just to take Tennessee last year in one season and make them, uh, I mean, just profitable on the field, basically, to the point where you can be competitive against practically everybody except for Georgia in, in a year where Georgia was relatively unstoppable. That's very, very impressive because there's not a lot to, to work on there. Now you've had a chance to, to actually build and grow, get some recruits in as well, which he's done a fantastic job there as well. Getting Nico. I the $8 million man. There's a lot to like for, for what Tennessee has 
and I don't want to ignore Kentucky too much, but it is worth bringing up. South Carolina having a guy last that was last year projected to win the Heisman, be the first overall pick in this this previous year's NFL draft. Spencer Rattler with the Gamecocks. I mean, is there any hope? At, uh, maybe not hopes the word, but any possibility that South Carolina makes a tad bit more noise with Shane Beamer and the gang with Spencer Rattler at quarterback, or is there just not enough there to help him, AJ? Uh, do I think they get a little bit more media attention? Sure, but do I think that you know this is anything more than you know just a nationally relevant name now um, in Columbia, South Carolina? I don't. I don't think Spencer Rattler alone, and I know they they reeled in a couple of transfers, um, including his former tight end from Oklahoma. Um, but I, I don't think it's enough. I, I think the SEC East is pretty much locked up with Georgia and maybe Tennessee. But as for the rest of the East, I don't even see South Carolina competing with Kentucky for the three spot at the end of the day. Uh, you know, best of luck to Shane Beamer moving forward with this program, because I would like to see the Gamecocks, you know, become a nationally competitive and relevant team, or at least within the conference. But I just do not see it happening this year under Spencer Rattler. Joey? You know, last year the ground game could have been a whole lot stronger and the chains didn't move easily enough. But a big a big problem with them was just way too many turnovers. You know, last year the offense was ranked 111th in the nation and only scored, I think, if, I, if memory serves me correct, I think they scored 23 points a game. But the, they did look really good against North Carolina, they, and they have 10 starters back on offense. The Gamecocks won seven games last year with a rough offense, and now, of course, they had Spencer Rattler, who he might not have been perfect at Oklahoma, but he's, he's, a, he's a real you know, live NFL prospect with a really brilliant deep arm and, and an attitude to show the world that he's ready to play in the SEC. You know, they also have Luke Doty as the capable number two, you know, a really solid quarterback option there as well. They return um, a really solid receiving core. Their offensive line needs to show a lot of improvement, but that being said, they're loaded with veterans. You know, they have the size, depth, and talent, but they really just need to to improve, which they have now had a whole offseason under Shane Beamer to do so. So I think this uh, South Carolina team is going to be better than last year, but I'm I'm on the same page as AJ. I think there's still way too much improvement that needs to be done in order for them to be a contender in the East. But that being said, I do like the direction that Shane Beamer is taking this program. It's probably going to take him a little bit longer at South Carolina than it has with, with Heifel at Tennessee, but I, I really like the progress that I'm seeing. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. And if I think the, the number one thing, first of all, Beamer got uh, a heck of a head start by getting Spencer Rattler in the building, but now you have to take advantage of it because with Oklahoma and Texas joining the league and who knows who else, South Carolina is going to be in that same boat with Vandy and Missouri and Kentucky and Mississippi State as being bottom-of-the-barrel potential schools now that Tennessee has risen to the occasion. If you can take advantage of it this year, you can reap the benefits in recruiting this upcoming class and, and really move. And I think what you need to do that, what you need to be able to do that is to pull off uh, a convincing win over Kentucky and upset somebody in this league, whether it's Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, maybe stick it to Clemson at the end of the year. You need a you need one of those staple victories. Just being bowl eligible at six and six or or seven and five is not going to cut it for Shane Beamer in finding immediate success there. St- staying on the East one more time, Georgia. Um, they're the reigning national champions, but I mentioned it. Their defense decimated. It's all in the NFL. Now I'm not going to be the one to uh, say that Kirby is in a bit of a pickle there because that's what he does best is reloading that defense. Most of his questions usually extend to the offense, but Hey, he just won a national championship with Stetson friggin' Bennett. <laughs> what is the outlook you guys for Georgia? Are they still a national contender? Have they retained enough firepower after losing so much of the elite prowess of last year's championship team? Are they still a national contender to win a national championship yet again with the likes of Alabama and, and Ohio state and so many more. Joey, we'll start with you. You know, Georgia's talent level, it really gives it a high floor and a high ceiling, you know, and Kirby smarts crew is going to be big, fast and physical on both sides of the ball, just like we saw them last year, but it's, it's never easy to replace the amount of production that Georgia lost after winning it all last year. You know, finding leadership is going to be key to navigating a, Another workable schedule. You know, their schedule is is not the most difficult in the in the country when you consider their talent level. But 
that's been bending his back for his sixth season at Georgia and his seventh of college football. Seems like he's been in college for forever, but um, no doubt he's you know he, he silenced all doubters you know in the in, you know against Michigan and Alabama. He really obviously Alabama fans will remember that fourth quarter um, as well. And um, the transfer portal hit UG, hit hit UG obviously with Jermaine Burton leaving, but they still have ultra talented players to lean on. Um, um, and that includes, of course, Brock Bowers at tight end, who's a really solid player. He missed the spring with a shoulder injury, but she should, he should be back in preseason camp. And when it comes to their defense, obviously Georgia's stacked. They did lose a lot of uh, starters, but they have just as many talented players to back them up. So look for Georgia to win the East once again. Big recruiting news. Dante Moore, number three quarterback in the 2023 class. He just committed to Oregon. Now, whether that means he'll be a Pac-12 quarterback or a Big Ten quarterback or a Big 12 quarterback, who knows? AJ, thoughts on Georgia in the upcoming season? Uh, listen, uh, is Georgia going to look good throughout the regular season playing an SEC East schedule? Absolutely. Uh, do I think that they're going to be nationally competitive? Potentially, I don't think that they have national championship, you know, potential this season. Uh, you know, and they're they're not going to fall off like 2020 LSU did after that historic 2019 season. I know that's not what's going to happen. Uh, Georgia is able to reload, just not at the level of Alabama and some of these other major programs that are annually uh, fighting for a national championship spot. And not to mention Ohio State and C.J. Stroud and the rest of that offense, or a lot of that offense, is ready to come back and fight for uh, a 2022 national championship. And Alabama as well. Uh, Sure, Jamison Williams, John Mechie, and a handful of others are gone but a lot of talent returns for Alabama. Georgia loses that talent, and they may trick a lot of people early in the season throughout that SEC East regular uh, season schedule, but I don't think that too many people are going to buy into it, and I don't think that a CFP uh, push is on the table for the Bulldogs late in the season. Real quick, to the west side, uh, a lot of everybody – not just a lot of people. Everybody has October 8th circled on their calendar. Alabama A&M, right? We're, we're all in full anticipation for that one. Is it A&M, though? Can it possibly be Brian Kelly and, and LSU? Who is the biggest threat to Alabama on the west side of the division this season, A.J. Spur? You know, Texas A&M, sure. They got it done last season at Kyle Field. Uh, This season, though, they're coming into Tuscaloosa. They're going to be playing in Bryant-Denny in an atmosphere now full of Alabama fans that remember the Jimbo Fisher press conference, that remember them storming the field uh, after beating Alabama last season. I don't think Texas A&M is as big of a threat as a lot of people make them out to be this season. For me, it's Arkansas. I really, really like what Sam Pittman is doing with this team And that offense gave Alabama a run for their money last season. It was the defense that couldn't get much done against Bryce Young. So for me, this season, Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks are my SEC West team circled. Joey? I I swear, AJ and I are looking at the same. (laughs) I wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree. Um, Texas A&M is a... Obviously, really solid contender, you know, with the Aggies. You know, it's something they've been, the Jim Fisher has been slowly but surely building uh, year over year. Now, will they be able to repeat that success from last year against Alabama in Bryant Denny? I don't, I don't really think so. But, you know, AJ talked about earlier Tennessee was his team to beat Alabama potentially in a surprise upset this year. I actually have Arkansas circled on my calendar for that. You know, I think Arkansas is a, is a really, really solid team that a lot of people are still overlooking. They forget that Arkansas won nine games last year under Sam Pittman. You know, and that was in a year that Georgia was the, you know, was the front row in the SEC. Alabama continued to be Alabama. You know, Lane Kiffin was Lane Kiffin, and Arkansas still won nine games in the SEC in the SEC in the SEC. So, it's a program without a flashy brand name head coach. It didn't. It doesn't have a. It didn't have a, a huge national superstar, but is able to get the job done. Play solid defense, great line play, and a smart play style. So, I really like what I've seen from Sam Pittman at Arkansas, and I, I really think that they are the team to beat for Alabama this year. I think they're going to create some troubles. Just they're just so deep all around, and I, I really like what I see from them. I, I tend to agree, uh, but it is going to be interesting to see how KJ Jefferson performs without. 
Traylon Burks because he Mm -hmm. was the lifeblood of that team. We'll take a break so that we can come back and close down the show here on Off the Edge. Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Tide 100.9 presents Movies in the Park. It all happens at Government Plaza for free. And this Saturday, we celebrate Christmas in July. And we're starting now to make sure kids across West Alabama have a Merry Christmas. We'll be collecting toys and gift cards for Toys for Tots at the movie this Saturday night. And to get you in the spirit, we'll be showing the holiday movie, Elf. Santa's coming to town. So grab a baby doll, board game, a football, or a gift card and come on down to this family-friendly free event. Powered by Pepsi, Tuscaloosa Tourism and Sports, and First Baptist Church of Tuscaloosa. For more info, swipe open the free Tuscaloosa Thread app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A hot, humid afternoon, the chance of a few scattered showers and storms through early tonight. The high today, 95, tonight's low 76. Tomorrow, we start the day with morning sunshine, then a good chance of showers and thunderstorms by afternoon. The high, 92. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 92 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow Off the Edge on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for live streams and instant analysis. Off the Edge with Jacob Harrison continues. Back here on Off the Edge, Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. We only got like two minutes left. I kind of did this on purpose to to keep the time short, but we did not have AJ and Joey on just for for kicks. This is the final episode of Off the Edge. It is, it's done. I am... uh, I don't know what's next, actually. Uh, I've gotten thrown around uh, as tends to happen to me in life. There's a reason I have a tattoo of a 13 on the back of my neck. (laughs) Things weird just tend to happen. Uh, I'm sure many of you listening probably caught some sort of wind when I had the off the field thing that kept me off the show for like two weeks. But I'm doing okay. There's no need to worry about me. I'm going to go have fun somewhere else. Uh, I'll still... Of course, cheer on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Big, massive, huge. The reason they were on the show the whole day today is because AJ and Joey were on the show every single week, giving us fantastic insight, breaking down, you know, breaking news and and everything else under the sun. So, guys, I love you both. I'm so thankful for everything that you gave me uh, and this show and our listeners over the past year. It's ironic. This week was one full year of Off the Edge being at the 11 a.m., time slot so it worked out just right joe is going to take over this time slot uh guys i'm like out of time i'm sorry i can't let you talk but the jay barker shows up next i'll catch y'all some other time roll tide